in this series. And our topic today is assurance of guidance, part five in the series, assurance of guidance. Very practical. All of us at times need guidance. You know, we had a fantastic youth event last Friday night. Uh, laser tag is always a lot of fun out in our car park. Uh, the following laser tag, we had a Bible study on baptism. And we have um, five or six of our teenagers want to be baptized. And also, yeah, praise God. Isn't that awesome? And one of their parents as well. So, yeah, who's also a new believer. So wonderful to see that, isn't it? Uh, people wanting to make that stand for Christ. And so that'll uh, typically what we're doing with our baptism services, we actually conduct them on a Friday night like we uh, did last year. So we have a church service, but on a Friday night at about 7 o'clock. And uh, we conduct the service in here, praise and worship time. I'll share the Word of God. You'll hear all the baptism testimonies. And then we go uh, to the Arabic part of our, our complex where the baptistry is and conduct the baptism service there. So that will be coming up in a few weeks' time. Our primary scripture for today is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge to him, and he will make your paths straight. It tells us a heap of information there within that. First of all, it tells us our trust needs to be total. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, total trust. Secondly, we shouldn't place too much confidence and our own thoughts. That's important. We need to think, but don't place too much confidence in our own thoughts. Acknowledge him in everything. Acknowledge him in everything. What does that mean? Well, a later version of the NIV actually says submit to him in everything. That's the concept. Now, when these conditions are met, what are we promised? Well, he says he will direct our paths or he will make our paths straight. The New King James says direct our paths. NIV, he'll make them straight. That's the promise. We do the first three things, and then we're promised he's going to give us direction or make our path straight. Well, let's unpack that scripture. The first phrase says, trust in the Lord. Number one, trust in the Lord. Why trust the Lord? Well, it says in Jeremiah 17, 7, but blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So first of all, we're told you trust God you'll be blessed as a result of that. There's also a beautiful scripture here in Psalms. I like the way this is worded. Psalm 32, verse 8. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, says the Lord. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. You know, um, I remember when I was uh, a new believer, our pastor, Pastor Kim Valentine, took about three of us, three young blokes who were new to the church, under his wing, and uh, he, he did some discipleship with us. He would meet with us fortnightly, one-on-one, -on -one, and the other fortnight he'd meet with the three of us and would have lunch together. But we completed a series of studies, very like growing in Christ. And in fact, when I say very like, the week we did guidance, the verse I just read was our memory verse for the week, and the scripture I just read then was also a part of it. And I still remember how Pastor Kim explained this verse. He will counsel you with his loving eye on you. Now, what does that mean? Well, I remember Kim at the time, he had a 13-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old son and a little chap called Mikey. He was quite young. He was just three or four. And he said, you know, sometimes I can just give Mikey a look. 
So if Mikey was to pick up my fishing knife, says Kim, and I, I could just give him a look, like, and he would read, oh, I'll put that down. That's dangerous. Didn't say anything. I just gave him a look. And what Pastor Kim was explaining was that if you could develop a relationship with God and you're unsure of direction, you can get an impression from God. Not so much he said anything, but it's like an impression, like a look, so to speak, that he is directing you in a particular way. Thought it was a good illustration. It says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, great passage this. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. How do we discover God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will? Well, we're given two premises before the promise. Let me explain them. Firstly, we're told to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, now, Tom, as he was sharing communion with us, he reminded us, of course, the pattern of the Old Testament was they would bring a perfect lamb without blemish and it would be sacrificed on the altar, but we don't do that anymore. Paul brings the new covenant uh, to life here as he's talking about the principle still remains, but he brings it into our world. Jesus has already died. He has been the sacrifice. Now Paul says we apply this by saying now you, yourself, as followers of Jesus, you present your own body as a living sacrifice. It's as if you place your body upon the altar and say, God, I'm surrendered to you. I'm dying to myself. Uh, the great pastor leader Rick Warren from America who uh, just up started the church in 1980 in a high school and uh, had no idea how God was going to bless and grow that what started off as an average-sized church, which is now 20,000 strong. Pastor Rick would say, there's no point in seeking God's will and trying to know God's will if you haven't first placed yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice. If you're not willing to surrender your life, why should he give you any direction? Because you're not going to take his advice until you're surrendered. He said that's actually the first step in receiving guidance from God. That passage also said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Another prerequisite, don't conform to the pattern of this world. So easy to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We're so influenced by the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the social media we put into our lives, the news we watch. All of it influences us. And can I suggest, although some of it I think is uh, perfectly fine, I think a lot of it has a, a subtle negative message toward Christianity and certainly doesn't uphold the values of Christianity. How influenced are we by the pattern of this world? I was reading an article one time that said uh, the Chinese people are controlled by propaganda. The passage went on to say those in the West are controlled by mass media. The media giants influence and control so much of what we think. They typify the pattern of this world. I mean, I remember this was really highlighted to me one time about a decade ago. I was preaching at Narry Warren Baptist where I was pastoring and I was preaching on the Word of God. And there'd just been an article that week in one of our local newspapers, quite a widely distributed newspaper with about 350,000 people that it was distributed to in the southeastern suburbs. And the article, I think it was on page three, so it's pretty early there and a fairly big picture. 
and it had a bunch of Bibles with spiderwebs all over them. And the article was basically saying, are in schools. It's irrelevant. No one reads the Bible anymore. Um, and I went on to say, well, actually, the Bible is the biggest selling book in the world. Six billion, that's 6,000 million copies that have been sold. And then I went and said, if you're unsure about that, just do a Google search. Because at that time, you could do a Google search, top 10 books or top 100 books. The Bible would come up at the top and there'd be a heap of very positive information about it straight away. Within months of me saying that, Google removed it. Google removed it and they actually had a little clause there saying, we've decided not to include religious books. And it just reminded me that this is one of the realities. For the, the people in power, the media giants, perhaps the Bible wasn't giving the right message in the sense that they didn't want the world to think this book is the most popular. I mean, because it's not necessarily espousing the values they want the world to believe. And this goes on all the time, friends. All I'm saying is just we just need to be mindful of that. Our thinking is influenced by the patterns of this world. Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. It was just the same in the Roman Empire. They had certain values they pushed. Some of those values were not in keeping with Christianity. Can I suggest this, friends? Whilst you are conforming to the priorities of this world, you will struggle to know God's will. Whilst you are conforming to the priorities of this world, you will struggle to know God's will. One of the things that um, I regularly do is I try to have a variety of inputs into my world. So as much as all of us are going to have secular information coming into our heads all the time, uh, I, I make sure that the literature that I read, more than any other book, is the Bible. And, of course, you can listen to it as well, not just read it. Um, I'll have a good movie, absolutely. But I also try and fill my head with Christian movies as well. Last week I watched a fantastic movie, uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, very well put together. This week I'm watching King David, another one, very well put together. Very biblical, long movie, but very well acted. Got a couple of very famous actors in it. There's a lot of great Christian stuff out there too, and you can be filling your minds with it. What about music? Uh, I listen to most of my music on Spotify. Spotify gives you a report at the end of the year, what you've listened to most. Last year, I listened to Planet Shakers more than anything else. The year before, my most listened to group was Newsboys, a Christian pop rock group. All I'm saying is, obviously, all of us are going to have a lot of secular stuff coming into our world. But if you can get a lot of Christian stuff into your world as well, there's less chance you'll conform to the pattern of this world. The second portion of the scripture says this, number two, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. I should clarify that with a, an interesting phrase from John Stott, the great Bible commentator. He says, seeking God's guidance doesn't mean that you don't have to think. Yes, you do use your brains, but don't lean too heavily on your own understanding. Isaiah puts it this way, 55.8. The Lord saying these words, 
Isaiah records, And for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The concept? God is saying here, I have the full picture. He knows the beginning from the end. Our understanding is finite. It's limited. Yes, we have some understanding, but God has the full picture. Wouldn't it make sense to tap into his guidance when he can see the big picture and we only see a portion? Let me uh, observe an example here of Paul hearing from God, getting the big picture, but how the people were not prepared to listen to him. Let's uh, have a look here at the book of Acts. We see this example. And uh, this ship here is an artist's impression of what the ships were of the time in the first century. Uh, so it's, uh, the, the artist is... Uh, has uh, given us a picture there of what he believes that the, uh, the ship was like in Paul's day, first century. 2710 of Acts, Man, I can see our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. But the, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. You got the idea. So Paul, in his prayer, consults with the Lord, and he believes God has shared with him, don't, don't leave. You know, it will meet with disaster. The ship will be destroyed. Um, well, the centurion listens to the pilot. He's going to make the final call, and uh, as in the centurion, and he listens to the owner of the ship, and then eventually he listens to the majority, and they all think they should sail on. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? People are often influenced by the majority. You can't always believe the majority. Again, with mass media, they often mass media will tell us this is what everyone is saying, this is what everyone's doing. Sometimes it's not true, and uh, so what is espoused as the popular opinion is not necessarily even true. But secondly, even if it is true, even if it is the majority, it's not always right, is it? In 1933, the nation of Germany, by popular vote, elected Hitler. Hitler promised to turn around the economy, and he certainly did. But in a few years' time, at what cost the majority wanted him in power. Mm, let's read on down the passage. Acts 27, 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we're driven along. Now, ultimately, the ship is completely destroyed. Everyone's lives are at risk. The sailors were influenced by circumstances, in this case, rather than listening to the Christian leader. The circumstances indicated they'll be able to make the voyage effectively, but shortly after they left, the storm ultimately destroyed the ship. I find the phrase interesting, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Can I make this suggestion? 
If you lean too heavily on your own understanding, you'll be driven along by circumstances and popular opinion. If you lean too heavily on your own understanding, you'll be driven along by circumstances and popular opinion. You know, even Jesus, uh, although he was fully divine, he was also fully human. And he models for us the desire to know his Father's will. And we see times where he, he would go away and he would pray for hours in the wilderness. When he chose his 12 disciples, he prayed all night to hear the voice of his Father that he might then select those 12 disciples. It says here in John 6:38, Jesus saying, I, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Right, let's move on to the third portion of the scripture. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's a good question to ask. Are you acknowledging God? Or as the later version of the NIV puts it, are you submitting to God? Are we acknowledging God in our work environment or in our school or university? We're trying to live out Christian values. We're being a witness. We're talking with people about the reality of Jesus. Are we acknowledging God in all of our ways? It's a lot harder to know God's will if we're not. Um, I remember a chap called uh, Ray in my last church. He was a lecturer and still is, I understand it, Deakin University. Now, Ray, um, he lectured on accounting, amongst other things, but he would say you can bring spirituality into anything because it affects every dimension of our life. And so one of his three-hour lectures was titled Spiritual Accounting. And in that lecture, he would bring in all sorts of life-related stuff, including his relationship with Jesus and what a difference it made to every aspect of his world. Um, and he said every time he gave that lecture, he'd have students coming up to him afterwards wanting to know about his faith in Jesus and wanting to explore perhaps that could work for them as well. Now, you might say, well, that's very politically incorrect for a, um, a university lecturer to do something like that. You know, I've never read in the Bible, thou shalt not be politically incorrect. Have you ever read that? The fact is, um, there's a lot of stuff that might be popular in our culture as how we're supposed to live, but they might be clashing with the values of Scripture. I wonder what about our leisure time or free time? Are we acknowledging God? Are we submitting to God? Um, all of us have the same amount of hours during the week. And I almost bet all of us would say we're extremely busy. Um, are you taking time out to meet with God in his word and prayer? Are you acknowledging him in that way? Uh, are you willing to acknowledge God by saying, Lord, I want to serve you. Are you willing to give up some of your time every week to say, God, how can I serve you in this local church or in some other form of ministry? Are we willing to acknowledge God in all our ways? You know, I've been encouraging uh, people to do one-on-one um, -on -one discipleship because uh, I'm convinced that um, one of Jesus' highest priorities is to make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Um, 
just chatting with one of the ladies in our church this week. And uh, she's um, connected with a lady who's very new to church and uh, probably not saved yet, but very close to it. And I've said to, the, to uh, that member of our church, would you like to meet with her and take her through Growing in Christ, the little study book we've been looking at? And she said, yes, she'd be happy to do that. Because I remember as a new believer, that one-on-one discipleship grounded me really, really well. I wonder how many people would be willing and open to doing something like that, making a disciple. Now, when in doubt, cut up an apple. And slicing open this apple, it doesn't take a lot of work to find out how many seeds are in this apple. Little dig around, and there's one that just fell out. There's another one. Just a few, not many, just a few. About four, about four seeds in that apple. Hold one of these little seeds up, won't really be able to see it. Now, I can work out how many seeds are in that apple fairly easily. But if this was planted, I wonder how many apples are in this seed. Why I ask that question is when you plant the seed of God's word into a new believer's life and you disciple them, you don't know how fruitful they're going to become. So Pastor Kim uh, took that time out to disciple me and he would emphasize these types of things that we're talking about today. And he would say things like, you will lead other people to Christ. You will make disciples. I'm not doing this training just for you. I'm doing this for you to equip and train other people. And, uh, well, there's been a lot of seeds. There's the crowd evangelism stuff I've done. Um, Biggest crowds that I've spoken to, about seven or 8,000 people, and these were crowds with 75% majority unchurched hearing the gospel. Um, There's also all the one-on-one stuff I've done over the years. But it would be no stretch to say I've led hundreds of people to Christ. And Kim planted that concept into my mind when he discipled me. I wonder, I wonder how many, how many people could be influenced for the kingdom of God if you made just one disciple. Be praying into that. Perhaps God has someone in mind. We're told in uh, Proverbs 3, 6, the last part of the passage, a wonderful promise. He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight, or as the New King James put it, he, he will direct your paths. Now, how does he do that? Well, there's a few different ways, but I will highlight three today. First of all, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.12 uh, 2, says this, What we have received is not the Spirit of of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given. Understanding in the journey of guidance comes via the Holy Spirit. Or it says in James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You're needing guidance, you're needing wisdom about something, pray and the Holy Spirit can guide you. 
Secondly, God's word. God's word is obviously key. It says in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Wow, beautiful scripture, that one of my favorites, actually. You know, I wonder, can we put the house lights down for a moment? All lights out. little bit darker. But I'll tell you what, pop this on and we've immediately got a little bit of light. And so stepping off the stage, no, no problem at all. Let's pop up the house lights again for a moment. As we journey in the, the process of knowing God's guidance, knowing God's will, his word is a light to our path. I remember the, um, the original imagery, is they, they carried lamps. They didn't shine out very far, just three or four steps. But actually, do we need to see more than three or four steps? If God says, this is the next step, these are the next few steps, we don't always need to see the whole picture. We just need to have that sense of faith. He will give us the next few steps will be sufficient. I remember one night I was fishing with my son, Seth, and um, it was dusk, and that's when we looked in the fishing bag and realised we didn't have torches with us. That was very unusual. Normally there'd be a couple of torches in the fishing bag. For whatever reason, they weren't there. But we were catching stacks, so we were going nowhere, thanks. (laughs) So we get our bag limit, and um, then... We endeavoured to make the trip back to the car through the forest. It was about a 20 to 30 minute walk. We'd done it a few times. We thought we'd be right. But I tell you what, not having that torch, (laughs) mate, it made a huge difference. And um, we saw a log at one point, which we knew was kind of a, you know, a guide that we're on the right way because we passed that log, you know, historically that was one of the things we'd look for to make sure we're on the right direction. Well, we thought we'd seen the log. We saw a log that was like it, and we took completely the wrong direction. And, you know, about 20 minutes later, we realised, oh, man, we are very lost. We're going around in circles for a fair while, and um, eventually, eventually, we realised that's where we went wrong, got back to that the wrong log, found the right log, and we made it back to the car. But instead of taking 20 or 30 minutes, it took like an hour. And there was one point where we thought we weren't going to find our way back at all. But with a torch, with a light, it was easy. God's word is the same, friends. May it be richly in our hearts that he might be able to guide us. The third point, C, Christian leaders. Christian leaders. It says in Galatians 1.18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. So here Paul is saying, look, I wanted to get acquainted with Peter. I wanted to learn from Peter. Uh, Paul at this time is a, a relatively new Christian. Peter was the director of the Church of Jerusalem. He goes on to say, Galatians 2, 1 through 2, then after 14 years, now Paul by this time is a pretty strong Christian, I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. Those esteemed as leaders, I presented them the gospel 
that I preach among the Gentiles, I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. What's Paul doing? He's meeting with leaders, making sure the gospel he's preaching is accurate, is correct. He's learning from leaders, making sure they are a helpful guide in his life. And another example, Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who was brought up uh, with Herod the Tetrarch, which is interesting, and Saul, Paul's earlier name. They're all there. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now you notice the passage started by saying there were teachers and prophets present. As they hear from the Holy Spirit, they speak to Paul, they speak to Barnabas and say, I believe God is calling you guys to be the primary missionaries to the Gentiles. And so guidance came through Christian leaders. So three areas. How will God make your path straight? By you listening to the Holy Spirit, by you studying God's word, by you responding to the guidance given by Christian leaders. The Holy Spirit, God's word, and Christian leaders. How about we all stand up together and read that powerful scripture we've been focused on today. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. I'm going to count backwards, and if I was to say zero, that's where we start. We'll read it slowly together. So three, two, one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing. David, King David's got some advice for you. Shall I read his advice? It's his advice about guidance. Psalm 37, 3 through 5, Passion Translation. David would say this to you if you're seeking guidance. As the worship team returns while I'm reading the scripture, keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure feasting on his faithfulness. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find that he pulled it off perfectly. And I pray for him? Father, here this morning, as we've been hearing about this important topic of guidance, I want to pray for each one, Lord that you would help us be a people who are truly guided by your Spirit. That we're not people that are just leaning on our own understanding. We're people that are actually trying to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And in the process of this, Lord, because of our trust in you, you will direct our paths. You'll make our paths straight. So, Father, I want to pray for each one. Help us to be receiving guidance from you and that you would be stepping in, bringing the direction we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.